We stepped out of the office into the streets, the night sky crying its sorrow down upon us, the rain gathering in ever-deepening puddles. Seemed like all it did in this city was rain, especially whenever I was working. I hunched my shoulders down into my coat, feeling that last shot of whiskey warming my bones that the weather was hell-bent on chilling. Well, kid, this is the luxurious life of a detective. How does it hold up to the fantasy? He gave me a sarcastic grin and spat out the water that had dripped down onto his face. No hat or coat to prevent him getting soaked. I thought you were a private eye. I snorted at his response. <laughs> I am. But I was also a detective, too. Which leads me to the conclusion that you are not prepared for this kind of adventure. I don't think you were worried about your client's health. I care about getting paid. And if my clients die of exposure, I'm out of a job. I guess old habits die hard. We soon passed the entrance of the gilded laurel, and memory sifted to the surface like sand from gold. Slow jazz ebbed and flowed from the entrance to my ears, adding to the melancholy theme that was my life. I was still reeling from the last case that involved the man that I knew as Clay, but I soon came to realize that, like most things, the Clay that I knew was gone from this world long ago. I shook my head, trying to clear my thoughts as the potency of the liquor threatened to take over. Here we are, kid. The trap door. Hold on to your hat. <laughs> he gave me a sour look as rain dripped in, into his face, but I turned away, hiding my chuckle, and then knocked on the door. I waited a moment, and then decided it was one moment too many. But just as I was about to knock again, I heard a rather inviting voice respond. What the hell do you want? Frankie, it's Sawyer. Open up. Sawyer? I heard you got torn to pieces by a two-legged lady. I cleared my throat and rubbed at my temples. <clears throat> well, obviously, since I'm standing here talking to you, that didn't happen. But I appreciate your concern. Mm, well, less concern, more disappointment. Like I said, what the hell do you want? I'm here on business, Frankie. Let me in. I need to talk to McKines. He might be here on business, but he's actually busy. Come back some other time. I gritted my teeth, my head starting to throb, stress and alcohol mixing in an unpleasant way. I'm not leaving until I talk to someone, you son of a... Hey. David tapped me on the shoulder. Does McKinnon's have a high-pitched laugh? I paused for a moment as I thought about it. Yeah, he, he does. Why? Why do you ask? David smirked. Well, I just heard someone tell a horrendous joke about seashells and laugh about it. I was, it, was, it, it was a pretty terrible laugh, too. Well, that does sound just like him. I knocked on the door again. Hey, Frankie, did you hear that? Hear what? I'm not no Luna. I can't hear the walls. I paused and gave a quick cursory glance at David, but he ignored me. He gave a mental shrug and turned back to the door. My friend here says that he heard McKinnon's laughing, which leads me to believe that he's not as busy as you claim, so maybe you could drag him away from that poker table and have him meet us. On official business. I listened intently at the silence coming from the other side, until after what seemed like an eternity, Frankie called back to me. Alright, so uh, boss says he'll see you. You got ten minutes, so make it quick. The door swung open, and, with a quick wink to David, we stepped into the smoky room. 
Frankie stood there, tall and lanky, his face in a perpetual grimace of distaste. All right, follow me, and I mean it. Make it quick. He's in a good mood, and it won't last long with you around. Behind me, David gave a quiet snicker. I'm guessing you're not always as popular. You don't get to be where I am without making a few enemies, kid. Where's that? The bottom of the bottle? Yeah, you're paying for the bottle, so keep laughing. Before the kid could come up with another snarky remark, Frankie stopped at the table. I took a look around at all the familiar faces that were clouded by a haze of bad decisions. Once McHines and I's locked eyes, the table went silent. Soya, I see you're still alive! McHines blew a plume of cigar smoke out. What, was everyone taking bets or something? Why is it so surprising that I'm still alive? You have a tendency to get on the wrong side of dangerous people. What's your business? He waved to an empty seat. Please, sit down and let's talk. Well, he better stay alive if he wants it, the money that is. McKynes cast a cool glance in David's direction. And who might you be? A hopeful apprentice, perhaps? The kid and I exchanged confused glances and decided to ignore the question. I then returned my gaze to McKynes. Don't worry about him. I'm here on official business. <laughs> so, what do you need to know, Sawyer? Who's going to win the next dog run? Where to get some of the fancy European giggle juice, perhaps? Out of the corner of my eye, I noticed David's flinching as we were assaulted by the high-pitched squeal masquerading as a laugh. I raised an eyebrow. Seems like you've had enough of that already. Can we just ask him the questions and go? We're wasting time doing this. All right, relax. I lit a cigarette. We, didn't, we need information about a dame who's gone missing. She was working here as a dancer at the time of her disappearance. McHines gave me a lopsided grin and shrugged. Oh, is that all? Why didn't you just say so? What's her name? Her name was... was... I hesitated, cursing myself. I hadn't even asked her name. I was slipping further every day, apparently. Damn it, David... What, what was her name? David slapped his hand down on the table in anger. Her name was Vanessa! Now tell us where she is! McKynes and this group of goons jumped from the noise, raising from their chairs, revolvers appearing in every hand. I reached over and put a hand on David's shoulder. David, no. This will not get the job done. That's, that's not how this works. McKynes grinned and slid his gun back into the shoulder holster. You better keep that kid on a leash. If he wants to ever do this for a living, he needs to practice his manners. I let go of David. A pronounced snarl rippling across his face. All right, all right, McHines. Just, just tell us, where, where is Vanessa? If you really need to know, I sent her on a little job down at the docks. Terry's cannery. David began to get up, a growl in his throat. I had to use both hands to stop him from throwing himself across the table at the sorry excuse of a man. All right, 
Okay, uh, how long has she been gone? About a day or two. Well, which is it? A day makes a difference in this business. And your days are numbered. So I suggest you use your time wisely. I gave you the information you wanted. Now get out before you are no longer welcome. McKines never lost that sadistic smile, but his eyes turned cold, and I knew it would be wise to follow his advice. Come on, David. We got what we came for. And what's that? A lead. I suggest we follow it. Now let's go. With one last glare at the mocking smile on McKine's face, he allowed me to lead him out of the door, back into the rain. I once again hunched my shoulders and pulled the collar up on my coat, a meager protection against the damp and the chill. But now David turned his anger onto me. Now what, genius? I flicked my cigarette into a puddle and gestured with my chin. That way, towards the docks. Keep an eye out, it's not a friendly place. He just snorted and followed me as I led the way into the dark. Thank mm-hmm. you.